0: Welcome to the Picture Book Look Podcast. I'm Kim Chafee. And I'm Kirsty Call. Together we'll share some of our favorite picture books and chat with their creators to explore the journey from story idea to bookshelf.
1: We'd love you to join us as we take a picture book look. Do you dream of creating picture books that will change a child's life? Learn how to write the story only you can tell at this year's Picture Book Summit. Join John Klassen, Juju Morales, agents,
0: editors, and more on October 2nd, 2021. Visit PictureBookSummit.com to register.
1: Feeling stuck in your creative journey? Needing to change your narrative? Everything you want is possible.
0: As a therapist-trained life coach for creatives, I'm excited to help authors like you create clarity and build self-confidence so you can achieve your dreams.
1: Kirsty can help you get the drama out of your life and into your art. Visit KirstenCall.com. That's K-I-R-S-T-I-N-E-C-A-L-L.com and register for a free consultation today. Hooray! I can't
0: wait for us to work together to get you where you want to be.
1: Hey Kirsty, hey Kim. Of all the books in the sea of libraries and bookstores and homes and schools, we caught Swashby <laughs> in the Sea, written by Beth Ferry and illustrated by Juana Martinez-Neal as this week's summer book club pick. There are so many things to love about this book. So true. Our first fabulous thing is the unlikely friendship between the sea and Swashby. The second thing on our list is the alliteration, salty and sandy and serene, barnacle bottoms. My favorite. I know. Those are just a few examples of the fun
0: language. Third is the clever wordplay with Swashby's words in the sand and how the sea washes away his letters, creating entirely different meanings. Such a cool, cool thing.
1: The fourth thing we love about this book is all of the characters every one of them. The gruff neighbor, the little girl, even the sea is a character in this book.
0: And our fifth fabulous thing is Juana's art. The colors and lines are soft and have a sort
1: of oceany glow to them. I'm a big fan of Juana's art. So we want to know, what do you think is fabulous about this book? Make sure to tell us on social media with the hashtag
0: PBLSummerBookClub. Happy Happy reading. reading!
1: Although we don't have new interviews this summer, we'll be replaying some of our most listened to episodes. Enjoy this PBL replay. Hey Kirsty, hey Kim. So, do you know what Mondays are for? Um shenanigans? Um Dingle Hoppers? <laughs> fresh starts? I guess. (laughs) I was thinking more like Mondays are for making podcasts. Oh, yeah, so true. (laughs) And Saturdays are for Stella, Um, at least for George, the main character in today's book. Saturdays are for Stella, written by Candy Wellens and illustrated by Charlie Eve Ryan, takes the reader on an emotional journey through the ups and downs of losing someone special. And I think this book is such a powerful guide for parents and kids to have when they suffer any kind of loss. I totally agree. The story resonates with me because I was very
0: close to both of my grandmothers. And this story portrays the grandchild grandmother relationship so beautifully. We're thrilled to talk about the creative process with Candy and the editor, Charlotte Wenger. Let's get started. Candy, this story feels especially personal, and I have to say that it really resonated with me. It was so powerful and beautifully written, and I want to know what the inspiration is behind the book.
2: Yeah, so I always wanted to do a grandparent story. I know grandparent stories are something that are just always, they always work. My grandmothers were really special to me. I lived with one of my grandmothers on and off throughout part of my childhood. Both of them, you know, I saw on a you know weekly basis and they were really integral to my childhood. I lost both of them in the span of two months in 2000, wow. late 2009, early 2010, just months before my first child was born. And so I've always thought of my life been two periods that I had my life with my grandmothers and I had my life with my children and it, part of it is you know there was great sadness over not having those two worlds meet because I know my grandmothers would have just adored my children and vice versa and so to me coming up with a story like this was a way to kind of honor both sides and to show you know people who go through their own grief you know there's a way you know how do you preserve those people you've lost and those moments you've lost how do you continue the traditions and and share the spirit of someone?
0: Thank you.
1: It's so beautiful. And I think you've done an amazing job with that. It's, it's a hard topic to tackle and you just did it so beautifully and delicately and really well done. Charlotte, what about this story made you want to acquire it?
3: I mean, similarly, there is that grandmother connection and I don't think I was aware of it at the time that I acquired the story, but I did acquire it within a few months of losing my own grandmother as well. And I think that was like subconsciously on my mind. And I could feel like Candy really nailed that grandparent-grandchild connection in the text, even before illustrations were involved and similar to Stella, my grandma's first name is actually shared across multiple generations mm. as well, which is <laughs> wow. a fun little, like, <laughs> connection. There's like everyone across four generations, we have a woman that or a female that is named Sarah after my grandmother. Oh, I um, love that. Yeah. So and then the other inspiration that comes to mind, you kind of touched on Kim, is that I think children deserve more picture books that tackle quote-unquote tough topics Mm -hmm. in a tactful and non-didactic way. And I felt like this story just totally fed the bill for that.
1: Definitely. The way that you just show the emotions and not tell, and you've done such an amazing job. And I feel like in this book especially, that's so important the reader really feels everything that's happening in the story. So it's really beautifully done. Charlotte, just another question for you. Can you give us a look into the illustrator selection process? Oh, sure. Yeah. So the process that we
3: used while I was at Page Street uh, as an editor there was one that Kristen Nobles, the publisher at the time, established and brought with her from her art direction background. So Kristen, the editor of each project, as well as all the designers would each come up with three adjectives that after reading the manuscript that they thought described that story, but that could also be applied to the art. And then we used our adjectives to kind of guide our illustrator search and compiled that list together and then met and shared all of our adjectives with each other and went through the whole list and narrowed that down to usually about three or four possibilities that any of which we would have felt really good about. And then we shared those with the author, and allowed them to have input and let us know if they had a favorite among those. And typically, the favorite of the author would be then who we would approach at least first as first choice. And so that's how we handled this project. And Unfortunately, I don't have, like, records of my adjectives for what I wrote down for (laughs) the story. I'm really bummed that I don't. I don't know, maybe Candy could, like, dig up the email of what we (laughs) sent her, but (laughs) I do remember that we were looking for playfulness and warmth and also someone who could draw both younger and older characters because this book had such a range. So Charlie Eve Ryan, the illustrator, we just felt her work reflected – all of those things and we also really loved her textural collage style that she has and I'm actually really grateful for this project because it introduced me to Charlie and now as an agent I have the pleasure of representing her so lots of (laughs) lots of fun fun connections to this story
0: and her illustrations are just they're stunning
1: they are they're so lovely
0: it's There's a real synergy between the art and the text for
2: this book, which I love.
1: One of my like
2: all-time favorite grandparent stories is Tommy DePaula's Nana Upstairs, Nana yes. Downstairs. A huge inspiration, you know, kind of also deals with grandparent's death in a lovely way. And I've just, that's in my mind when I wrote this story, I, I pictured Tommy DePaula illustrating it. And I feel like, you a Charlie such a nice job. And it's so, to me, reminiscent of his work, the the color palette and the way she, her facial expressions of her characters. So I think it, you know, turned out really lovely.
0: It really did. So Candy, I imagine this was a tough story to write. Can you give us a look into your writing process for this
2: book? Yeah, it actually, the, the original story started out quite a bit differently. I started with this mental image of my grandmother's refrigerator and it always had every, you know, grandchild picture from freezer down. And so I had this idea of a girl, like a teenage girl who puts all the boy pictures on her wall. And so I kind of started the story (laughs) called Judge and Stella, a love story. And it was the things they do back and forth for each other that are grandparent and grandchild, but also kind of almost seems like a a crush, a love crush. Mm. So, you know, Stella has all his pictures on her walls and, you know, she talks about George to all her girlfriends when they go out to lunch. (laughs) When you meet your grandmother's friends and they know these weird, odd details about you, that's, you know, I saw that happening. And George, I pictured, you know, looking forward to his Friday nights with Stella and, you know, he would dress up to look his best and he might pick her flowers. (laughs) So it it was a totally different story and I I brought it to critique and everyone, you know, they thought it was really nice little vignettes and kind of a nice premise, but they had trouble picturing the illustrations because of course, if you add illustrations to that, it kind of takes away some of the mystery and there really wasn't a story arc. So I took it back to the drawing board, added the arc of having Stella die, but I didn't really have a good resolution for George. I just kind of felt like, you know, she died. It was sad. He was kind of processing it, and I again took it to critique. I had the scene where George was really upset, and he was marking off all the Saturdays on his calendar, mm. and I was discussing it with my critique partners. And it suddenly the idea of the marking the calendars. The only other time in my life that I've marked calendars weekly is when I've been pregnant, and you, you know you get your book and you're like, oh, the baby's the size of a peach this week. (laughs) And so then it occurred to me like, okay, what if the parents are marking their calendars too, but in this different way, it just kind of, it was like that moment when you're like, of course, what does George need? He needs Stella to get him through this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Charlotte said, it, you know, having, obviously the parents would want to honor the grandmother who died named the baby Stella. Everything just at that point seemed to fit into place of how it should be. Like it was meant to be.
0: It was, it's so beautifully yeah. done. And Kim and I were talking about this earlier about marking off the calendar with yes. the black pen. You do such a good job of showing big emotion.
1: I think that was such a powerful moment. So Charlotte, what was the editing process like for this story? I seem
3: to remember that the manuscript was in pretty great shape when I acquired it. And so most of what we worked on was editing some phrases and word choices for clarity and impact, like emotional impact. So it was just that... A little bit of finessing, really, there wasn't any kind of big picture editing that I had to do. That was taking care of everything big picture wise was in really great shape. And so it was just really finessing those little moments of word choices or phrases and that kind of thing.
2: That's yeah, awesome. I remember the biggest debate we had was the giant flat Frisbees. Yes, <laughs> that couldn't use Frisbees, but it was a copyrighted term.
1: So and it's in there,
2: and we, there was a long back and forth about what,
1: <laughs> yeah, what
2: what would a kid think those are if not a frisbee? If he can't say frisbee, he's not familiar with records. So what might he call them? And there was a long exchange, and then I think at yeah. some point it was discovered we can use frisbee. So we were like, okay, okay. let's just do that. <laughs> perfect.
3: <laughs> I seem to remember we had a big long list of like all these different like chocolate donut and like yeah. all <laughs> these different possible like flattened like a pizza or. <laughs> Like all these different
1: possibilities, but we ended up going with Frisbee. Because I remember that page too. I pointed that out to my husband. I'm like, look at how great this is. You have to look at the art to know what you're talking about. And that's such a picture book.
3: So,
0: yes. That's awesome. That's great. So we have one last question for you. Charlotte, let's start with you. When someone reads this book, what do you hope they learn or feel?
3: Uh, There's a few things. I hope they realize how special grandparent-grandchild relationships are and how precious and important time with grandparents can be. Not everybody gets that and not everybody has those relationships. So also, if they're fortunate enough to have a relationship like George and Grandma Stella, I hope that they can feel grateful for that bond and take advantage of the time that they can spend together. And lastly, I hope that readers grasp the power of familial love to connect to comfort to heal and to inspire because I feel like those four things really you could almost section the book off in terms of how the love transpires over the course of the story Mm, yes those things connecting with the relationship comforting with the loss healing and then Inspiring George with all that he does with his new sister. So
1: well, it's perfect. That's so lovely. <laughs> How about you, Candy? When someone reads this book, what do you hope they feel or learn? I really hope people
2: find peace when they read the story. And, you know, it's the feedback I've been getting, it's very, you know, there's a strong emotion, and people, you know, friends, family, even strangers are, you know, telling me they cried reading the story, their children cried. So I hope that there's that powerful emotion but I hope at the end of the day they feel at peace and they understand you know whatever the loss is whether it's a family member whether you know you're moving and you're it's a whole new school new friends new neighbors if it's there's a lot of COVID losses going on right now and change of routine but whatever children are experiencing I hope that they feel at peace.
0: A big thank you to Candy and Charlotte for joining us today and giving us a look into the creative process for Saturday's r for stella Check out the show notes to learn more about Candy and her other fabulous books. And remember, if you have a picture book that you love and you think we might love it too, send us an email at picturebooklook2 at gmail.com. That's picturebooklook and the number two at gmail.com. Happy looking!